Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. You know, as, as we were worshiping, I was just receiving something. Um, do you know, it's... <laughs> just think about four-wheeling and it makes that go away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's right and appropriate that when God calls your name and begins to reveal your calling to be undone. You know that? To know your lack of qualification, but it's not okay to stay there. Do you know it's never God's idea? It's totally appropriate to be undone, but it's never God's idea that you stay there. See, He made the way. He He took the coal, He touched Isaiah's lips <laughs> so that He could move forward in what was so far beyond Him. See, it was not okay to stay there. He's got, you're, you're a royal son, a royal, a royal daughter of the king. <laughs> so he calls your name and that undoes us. He speaks, he speaks calling over your head and that, if you have any brains at all, that undoes you. <laughs> but it's not okay to stay there. That's the sermon. Let's go home. <laughs> <laughs> okay, think about four-wheeling. Holy Spirit, I thank you that your presence is here. I ask that your word would go out and change our lives. That you would make us a people who walk in your words, who, who know how to be with you so your will is done here in the name of Jesus all right I'm not going to be able to do this if <laughs> all right so uh where was I starting um a couple of weeks ago I promised you some <clears throat> some practicality in the summer series, some being able, learning something like the actual, the, the how-to, in a sense that like, do you believe that God wants us um, not only to know mysteries and participate in, in marvelous things, but to actually be able to walk in those, right? Um, I think uh, the Lord, in fact, I'm certain the Lord wants to do a little of that this morning. Um, to start out, I want to go back to a scripture. I'm not sure if we had it last week or if it was the week before. But I want to go back to Genesis 32 and verse 1. And it's really, it's just to get us started. We're not going to read the whole passage. I'm just going to do two scriptures here to bring us back. For those of you that were with us, and if you weren't, um, uh, that's okay. It won't, it won't leave you lost. Um, but here, this, this is a story of Jacob and Jacob's naming of a place. Okay, and here it says, so Jacob went... <coughs> Four-wheeling, four-wheeling. <laughs> okay, try that again. So Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp, and he called the name of that place Mahanaim, or, or the, in the original word, I think it's Mahanaim. Did I get that pretty close? Okay, um, which literally means dual camp. So very quickly, I'm just going to do this again. In other words, what happened here? This is the naming of a place, okay? And what happened here is he had a God encounter, okay? God showed up for him, not just like, not just like an idea of God, but, but presence and actuality doing something very specific. You know, um, God is a person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, and, and when he shows up as a person, he shows up to you, or to Jacob in this case, a person, and does something um, very specific. Yet he doesn't, like, just like any person, we don't do general things, we do something actually, right? Um, 
And so what's going on here is what happened actually. He opened Jacob's eyes to the fact that um, there was another realm. Now, now it's very critical that, that we gather here just to kind of lay the foundation of where we're going. You understand that um, before his eyes were opened, what does it say? It says that um, when Jacob saw them, Okay, so God opened his eyes to see that. But before he saw them, were they there? Was that realm there? Okay, it was very much there, just as much as it was before he saw it as it was after, right? But what happened here is he has a God encounter. God opens his eyes to, to the awareness <laughs> that there's another realm. That, that he's, in fact, why does he name the place Mahanaim? Uh, dual camp or dual reality. There's two camps occupying the same, place, the same space. A physical camp that he's very much a citizen and a participant in and a, and a spiritual camp that he's very much a citizen and a participant in. Yes? So what I, what I really want to see just to lay a foundation before we go on, is that what happened here is God opened his eyes, made him aware, so a very specific thing happened. His eyes were opened to another realm that he was a participant in, and it changed everything, so he named the place. Now, I want to point out to you, before we move on, not kind of, an absolute pattern of Scripture. Okay, y'all are aware that as, as the scriptures move forward, they name places, right? And essentially, what are they doing? They say, um, we, God in his very, pre, in his actual, the person of God meets us here and he does this work and we name this place. We, um, it's, it's such a powerful, life-changing thing. We name this place and, and I want to tell you that in every case, they name the place, this place is God. And then God meets them here, and, he, and they say, this place is God. And they do it again. They say, we name this place after God. But what I want to show you, though, is they don't just use the name of God. And it's very important to get this. Why? So in this case, he, he names it Mahanaim, right? So he names this place as God, but, but they don't just leave it general. They, they, and this is going somewhere, they name it the very specific thing that God himself in presence did in that place. Opened my eyes, made me aware of a dual reality. Okay? In other places, um, if you're a note taker, like back in chapter 28 of Genesis, Genesis 28, um, he names a place, is that the Bethel one? He names the place Bethel. Right? He has a dream. And why, why does he name it that? This is the house of God. Is there a house there? <laughs> There's no house there. But he names it the house of God because, because what? What happened there? He, the presence of God was there. He wasn't aware of it, and God made him aware of it. And so he says, We're, you know, that they believed, and we should too. <laughs> Anywhere the presence of God is, is the house of God. Do you know that you're the house of God? Okay, um, another example that we're not going to look at because I have so many powerful things to say. Um, in another time, he names it, I think you say it, Penny, Peniel or Peniel. Um, and that's where Jacob wrestles with Jesus at the river Javak. And he, he names it that because it means face to face. So again, right, what's he doing? He names it, um, this place shall be called God, but he doesn't name it that literally. In other words, what, what I'm, I'm wanting you to gather is that he names the places after the specific thing, the attribute, the character, the, the relational intimacy that was made in that place. It's named specifically. Okay, so it's just a principle. And I need you to gather that because you know that God is doing that with you. Like whether you know it or not, whether you're using your dominion to name places or not, that's on you. But, but God is doing it. He's having that kind of intimacy with you where he is, he is putting his presence into your life in ways that um, we are to be using our dominion to name those places. Now, if we go according to plan, I'm going to show you why this morning. It's very important um, that you understand why we name those places. 
You know that, um, let me just put this out there. You know, back in the very beginning, God's original plan was to have a partnership with man, right? To have sons and daughters that were in partnership with him. Amen? Okay, and so what did he do? So he says, I give you um, dominion in the earth. He gave that to man, right? And how did he make that dominion? What was the vehicle of the dominion? He said, name things. Did he not? He gave the job. He said, name things. Now, in their culture, they knew that naming things, and to some degree, we still get it, but naming things was not just like, well, I'm going to call you Elmo and you Harry. It was... Naming things was, was a claim of authority in a specific way. It was, it was the naming of an authority that was to be carried by it. Um, you might just have to trust me because we could do like a month study to prove that out with the word of God, but just go with me that that's the power of naming in the Hebrew culture and actually God's idea. That's, that's the power of naming according to God. Okay. Go with me to John um, 16, and I'm just kind of laying some foundations. I'm going to try to make it quick this morning, and I'm doing it on purpose because I believe um, God wants to do something. I think he even showed me what it is, so I want to make sure I leave time for that. John 16 and verse 12. We looked at this last week, I'm sure of it. Um, but it really is the foundation for where we're going next. Um, so here, Jesus speaking says, um, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So I just want to bring back to your memory the, the fact that God is bringing you from glory to glory. Anybody thankful for that? Okay, and you remember that that is, that is carrying away. One glory to the next glory is that God is making you into a person who is able to carry the weight of something that is of his kingdom. In fact, something. To carry the weight of his presence, which is his kingdom, but in particular ways. You know, there's nobody like you, and that's on purpose. Okay, and he gives it to you as you can bear it. Okay, goes on. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Speaking of the Holy Spirit here. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Now listen to me. Where we started was um, what, what God did for Jacob was he opened his eyes to the fact that he, he had a dual citizenship. That's life-changing. Opened his eyes that there, there are two realms. There's the realm, there's the spiritual realm of the kingdom of God. And how does Jesus teach them to pray? That we bring um, the will of the kingdom into the earth. Our Father, help us bring your will here. Well, that's his idea, that he's teaching them to pray that way because that partnership is what he planned. Well, here he's saying it's, this is telling that the Spirit is specifically sent to take what is Jesus's and give it to you. Why do you need to do that? Because it's the calling in, in all different ways. Every person in this room has different ways, different callings, different gifts, but in every single case, for every single one of you, God's idea of your partnership with him is that you are to be not just aware of two realms, of a spiritual realm and your calling to bring that realm into this place, but, but a calling, now listen to me, your calling is to be one who can reach into the spiritual realm and bring that here. Okay, it's, uh, what do we say, the, the, kingdom, the kingdom now, the kingdom not yet. What's that mean? It is, it's our job to be bringing the kingdom now. And it's obviously not in its fullness or, or I would have more hair. <laughs> it would be evident if it was totally in fullness. I wouldn't be this chubby. But, <laughs> but we are bringing, it is the calling. It's clear. You can't read this book or have any relationship with Jesus and not get into an understanding that it is our calling to be aware of two realms, to be reaching into a spiritual realm and bringing his plans, his will, his goal, to, to bring the will of the, of the courts of heaven 
into this realm. That's his partnership with man. Amen? Amen. Okay. <laughs> What's partnership? I told you, who remembers the definition of partnership from last week? It's coming into agreement with what he said, right? Which is an authorization. When he declares something, when the Spirit of God declares something to you, it has the power of God in it to be fulfilled. So, so when this passage says, he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you, that's saying he's giving you everything you need to take what's declared and bring it into this realm. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. That's God's grand plan. Now, we're going to talk about naming for a minute, um, and that's going to take us somewhere. Um, where, where is the place that God um, many, many times, and really is just, is just a primary theme that God says, um, I'm making for myself a place where I'll put my name. all over the place, right? But what is that place? Where does he say specifically, make this for me so I have a place to put my name? It's the temple, right? Or sometimes you'll read that's Jerusalem, but why is it Jerusalem? <laughs> because the temple's there, right? And what else is the temple? Okay, you are. So I need you to, as we move forward, I want you to hang on to that, okay? You are a place for him to put his name, okay? Say, say, I'm a place for his name. Okay. In fact, I'm just going to allude to a verse um, as long as I'm here in Revelations. We're not even going to go to it, but um, if you're a note taker, cha uh, chapter 22, verse 4. It's speaking of the fulfillment of all things when everything's brought to perfection, and it says, they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. Or depending which arguing theologian, they would say in, some people say that means in, his name will be in your foreheads, okay? You are the place for his name. That was always his plan. Do you understand? Okay, I got to do this. It was always God's plan to have that, that all of us would be the partnership that brings about his will, that all of us would be priests. And what happened? Adam and Eve fell, and then it was none of us. And then, and then what? He called out Abraham to be, to be a people unto him who would be the people, and it was his idea that all of them would be that. But they, there's this pattern in history where it's, it's kind of continuously rejected, and then what does he do? So, so he calls out um, Jacob and Israel and he has these tribes and his ideas that all of them would be. And it's more or less rejected. So he says, okay, the tribe of Levi will be priest unto me, right? And it's always his plan that he's coming back to a restoration where all of us are, are priests. Um, okay, we'll, we'll look at that in a minute. Let's go here. Um, this is so good. Go to Exodus 19. And I just want to show you this partnership, okay? Exodus 19. I'm going to start in verse 3. And in this, I'm just going to warn you, in this we're going to see um, the natural inclination of man's heart too which can cause you to burst into tears if you dwell on it too long. But the heart of God is here, and if you focus on that, it's a really good word. <laughs> Verse 3, it says, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. Now keep your finger there. Just notice that words are being spoken. In other words, he's saying, this, I'm about to give you words, that you're, that you're to speak out, you're to go out and declare for me. So hopefully you're remembering things from last week. We walk in the word of God. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Okay, that's going on here. Verse 4 says, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. 
Now I have to tell you here, it's really important that we gather this. There's a remembering here, okay? And I want you to, you know the word of God good enough, I know you guys, to, to track with me without going to all of this. Um, but you know how many times in the scriptures um, when God begins to speak with the people, the first thing he does is, is he begins with a remember me. Okay, what does he do? He says, I'm the God who brought you out of Egypt. I'm the God who parted the sea and so that you could go through. I'm the God who took you all the way across the wilderness. I'm the God that crossed the Jordan with you, that brings you into the promised land. But all of those, he identifies himself in a way where he's saying, remember me. Okay? I'm going to show you why that's so critical. But he says, remember me. And he says, um, in verse 5, he goes on and says, now therefore. Now you're seeing the pattern. He says, he says, remember me back there. And because that, because you remember me, now therefore I can speak to you this future word. It's so critical to get that. So, then, so he says, now therefore, you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. Now, do you notice the language of that? You will indeed obey my voice. That's not like a domineering slaving master thing <laughs> what's that telling us because you remember me you will indeed obey my voice why because remembering him because i did this back here you know me in a certain way that will cause you to walk in my voice there are other scriptures that say that say it straight up that say i will cause you to walk in my ways. In fact, do you know that we are, we are up a creek without a paddle if he does not cause us <laughs> to walk in our ways? Because it's not the inclination of your heart. But it's the inclination of his heart. And since he's in your heart, he will cause you to walk in those ways. Largely in this remembering. What's remembering? Remembering is knowing. It's relationship. Okay, it goes on and says, um, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You notice that's, that's an all thing. You shall be a king, a whole kingdom of priests and a holy nation unto me, all of you. Or in the south, it's all y'all. <laughs> right? It's, it's this, his idea is always that we're all going together, not that you have a famous priest or something. Now I'm going to show you that. Here comes the inclination of man's heart, um, I think. Let's see. And it goes and says, these are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. What are the words? That I'm calling you out together to be a, a priesthood to me, all of you. Okay. So, so Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord had commanded him. Um, and actually, for time's sake, I'm going to go on. That's, that, that's, um, that's what we need to get from there. Now, I want to tell you, we're going to go into the next chapter just next. We're going to look in chapter 20, and how many of you know what happens in the beginning of chapter 20? It's... It's the Ten Commandments. It's the giving of the law. Moses goes up on the mountain and, and receives the law. Well, we're going to start reading just after that, starting in verse 18. And so here's what happens. God shows up. Here's a God encounter, right? A place to name. So track with me. We're still talking about naming, even though it doesn't feel like it. In verse 18, it says, Now all the people, witnessing the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking, when all the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. They said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear, but let not, get, let not God speak with us, lest we die. Now, now pay attention to the words. You really, are you really gathering what you just read? That's the natural inclination of the heart of man. Now I'm going to draw a distinction for you. Here's what that is. That's them saying, um, give us a religion. 
<laughs> that is what that is. They're saying, um, you go do the talking for us because that the glory of God is terrifying. You go do the talking for us and then just, just come back and give us the rules and we'll do it. Now, now I want to show you a distinction. Moses, Moses is a glory guy. He can't get enough of God's glory. He can't get enough of God's presence. He's got an attitude. He knows God's terrifying. <laughs> but he has an attitude where he says, if it kills me, I'm going into the glory of God. You're, I'm, I'm always going to pursue God's glory deeper, 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 more of God. I'm going into the glory even if, if the result is I have to die in order to do it. But the, the, the other, the folks here, and remember, it's God's intention to bring them all. He wants them all to be priests unto him. But the inclination of the human heart is to say, okay, that's terrifying. God is terrifying. And, and the glory of God is more than I can bear. You go talk to him for me. Bring the rules back and we'll do it. It's always easier to have a set of rules, to have a religion, than it is to be someone who hungers after the terrifying glory of God. And Moses said to the people, do not fear. Why does he say that? You see, Moses has been going from glory to glory. Moses has become a guy who's carrying a weight of glory every time he has encounter with God and he goes from one glory to the next glory he's a he's a man who can handle a larger weight of glory he's he's been in some glory before and he's come out and said you know what happened I found out God loves me <laughs> I didn't die in fact, it increased my calling, it increased my anointing, it, it increased God's presence with me, it increased God's authority on my life. I actually came out loved. I didn't, it didn't completely destroy me. So he's the one who can say to the rest of the people, don't be afraid. And they're going, oh, yeah, we've been watching the mountain while you're up there. And they're like, good, good enough for you. Um, come back and tell us what he says, Right? Okay, um, and then I think I'm somewhere is about verse 22. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make um, anything to, to be with me, gods of silver or gods of gold you shall not make for yourselves. An altar of earth you shall make for me, you sh um, and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. Now just stop there. I want to show you, just in case you're wondering if I'm stretching this passage into something it's not, God's been establishing his way all along. In other words, he's been establishing that I am not establishing a religion. <laughs> and and that's, that's very clear here. He's saying, um, and even with this altar, an earthen altar, in other words, what? You're not allowed to carve out something beautiful like all the pagans all around you, some religious place that's really, really beautiful. I always thought it'd be neat if we had a retractable top like the Astrodome, so like on a nice day we could be outside. But he's saying, you can't... <laughs> Sorry, that's... I don't know why I did that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> he's saying you're not going to make a beautiful like temple temple thingy for me um, where, where I do this thing because I'm not setting up a religion I'm setting up a relationship where I talk with you now here's here's why we're reading all of that was just to get to this verse okay <laughs> or half a verse second half of 24 says in every place where I record my name I will come to you and I will bless you. I just want to tell you, the Lord revealed to me this week that this is like, this might be, I'm going to pick a new one next week and you have to let me, but this might be the most pivotal verse in like, in the whole book. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I'll bless you. Now I want to draw you back to where we started. Where are the places where God recorded his name? First of all, let's do this. How did he record his name in places in the Bible? Showing up 
And, and he did it through the dominion of man, right? The places where his name was recorded, it was always done by people who had encounters with the glory of God and were changed in that place. Not changed just generally, changed in a specific way. God came and did this with me here. I name this place, this, this that God did for me here. Does that make sense? Do you know that um, that is the calling on your life? <laughs> That's what he's doing. He's asking you to name things. Now, um, I want you to remember, especially those of you that, that are regularly here, you know we teach this all the time. This, all these Old Testament pictures are pictures of God with you in your heart. Your heart is a territory that God is conquering. Or he's actually inviting you, let's do this right, he's inviting you into partnership to conquer it with him. Right? That's what he's doing with, with um, the Hebrew people, with the, with the people that he calls out for himself as they go to conquer the land. That's a picture of your, of your journey, of your walk from glory to glory with God. Okay? So these things that we're talking about, these are, these are life-changing principles if you can grab them. God is trying to name places in your heart. He's, he is having encounters with you that are to be life-changing. In other words, what? That bring you into a knowledge of God. That's, those are specific things, okay? Um, why is it that um, people who have incredible healings for their body become powerful healers for the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell you why. The territory of their heart has a place with a name on it that very, very powerfully the name is God is healer and it, it's, not, it's not a theological concept out there. Um, do you know that they never named a place because somebody came and delivered a great sermon and they were like, wow, I totally get it. We should name this place um, God is theology. They, ne <laughs> they never did anything like that. It was always where God was powerful, present, present life changing, was giving them something. It named a place that was to speak to their future. Do you understand when God does something for you, he, he does something here. Look, um, when he heals your body, when he provides for you miraculously, when he opens your eyes to truths that I can now see I couldn't see before, all these things that he does that are places with a name, he does it because he's crazy in love with you and he's inviting you into the fullness of joy and participation with you. Let's not minimize that. But he does it... He does it in his timing, in his way, the specific things that he's doing with you because he has plans for you. Are, are you following me? He's giving you places with a name because it becomes your, your um, <laughs> I want to say responsibility, but there's so much legalism in our world anymore. It becomes your responsibility, but it, it becomes your joy, your privilege to steward a place with a name on it that carries authority. Does that make sense? He, he gives you something to remember. You see, a name, a name puts authority on something to remember. And, and it, is, it is for you to steward that, to have the privilege and the responsibility to steward that authority of God from that named place. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. That's a declaration. That is a promise. Go ahead and, if you want, go ahead and reach out and take it. Okay, that's from the word of God. In every place where, where he records his name, where he had an encounter with you, do you know what that is? In every place where you look back and you go, man, that was God. <laughs> okay, I don't care what anybody else says. There's no other explanation for me. I'll take nothing less. I look back at that. I look back at that moment, and God recorded His name there. That has to be God. That's a place where, where just like He always said, "I'm the God who takes you out of Egypt. I'm the God who does." That's your personal that. 
(laughs) When you look back and you go, that was God. That's a place where his name is, where he promises in that place that is yours. He promises to come to you and bless it. We're in two realms. <laughs> and he's calling you to be a priest. He's calling you to be in partnership where you're in the awareness of the fact that he's, he's, he's put us in this physical realm. He's put us here. It was always his idea that we would be the dominion holders in the earth for his glory. That's always been his plan. But he's also always wanted to have that intimate love connection with him where um, you are the priest. You're the, you're the one that occupies both realms. You live in a dual camp. And every place that he names is a place where you can reach up and rip open heaven because you have a faith, you have a named place. I know him this way. And you reach up and you, you pull from one realm and you bring it into this one. Your kingdom come, your will be done. How do we do that? This is how. (laughs) This is how we do that. We're royal members of the family who know him this way. We have some places that are named. It's his idea for you to reach into a spiritual realm and bring it. Show the goodness of God in this place. His glory is here through you. His, his plan for his goodness to be available to the hurt, to this community, to the hurting people around you, to the bondage, the death, the pain, the shame, the guilt, his goodness is available in the places that he's named in the territory of your heart, places where you can go, I know him this way. Why can I pray for you like this? Because um, I've, I've got a place that's named, that I carry that authority because I've, known, I've seen him this way. Why can I have faith when, when you're in a season of pain and trial and hurt and you have no ability to have faith for that? Why can I partner with you and do it for you? Because I know him this way. I know you're struggling right now, but I can stand in the gap for you. I can put my arm around you and walk with you because I, I have a place named after this. <laughs> I remember when he was that for me. Is this making sense? Now I know that he's, look, he's asking us to, asking us he's inviting us into the marvelous privilege of continuing to take territory and to do that so what am i telling you this is what god wants me to tell you this morning i'm telling you the way that we do that is with memory we we remember him he's the god who and so therefore You got it? If we start thinking of life that way we're starting to think according to reality we reach into two realms He's the God who, and I know him that way, and so therefore, you see, and I'm going to tell you something, it's, I'm not making this out to be an easy thing. I do understand it's the hardest thing in the universe. We have an enemy, and we have a world system that is completely designed to steal the named places, to defile the places with, with his name on it, continuously. God does, I've... I've been participant in miracles, sometimes had some for me, and tomorrow I'm starting to doubt, like, did that happen like I thought? Did, did that really happen like I was so excited yesterday? There, there's a warfare against the named places. Romans uh, chapter 12, you, this is famous, you, got, you guys will appreciate this, but th- I, I really think this will tie it together, what we're talking about. Chapter 12, I'm going to start in verse 1. <clears throat> this is starting with a big therefore. I beseech you therefore. In other words, the first 11 chapters is, is like the, the most concise theology book I don't know why they write theology textbooks. I've really never understood. I'm like, how come you don't just use the first 11 chapters of Romans? 
But this is the first 11 chapters. And I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I want to give you a spin on this that you might not have you might not have really seen it from this light before. This is saying, um, in other words, in light of all of this, the only reasonable possibility, the only reasonable thing that it should inspire is that you'd want to have that sacrifice at this place of his naming. I'm going to show you that. It's, I don't think, I think we read that more often than not with legalistic eyes, like we have a taskmaster father who's saying, um, saying, well, you really need to do this because it's the only, it's your reasonable service based on what he's done for you. And I don't think that's what it's saying. I think it's saying, in light of all of this, how could it possibly occur to a person that anything else would be reasonable? right the fullness of joy the explosion of love that comes in the knowledge of god makes it to where this this response of sacrifice at this place in the heart is the only reasonable response is that making sense now here's what i want to show you it goes on verse two says and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind now i know that you're familiar with this scripture but here's what i want to show you we, we occupy two realms, okay? We're, we're dual camp people. Tell somebody I'm a dual camp person. <laughs> we occupy these two realms. And, and this scripture is telling us how we walk out those callings in our lives. Why does, it, why does it specifically say, do not be conformed to this world? And that's attached to being transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's for this very reason. I want to tell you what a renewed mind is, okay? In fact, I'm going to put this out there too. It's the opposite of a hard heart. If you go study it, a renewed mind is the opposite of a hard heart. A hard heart is a person who, who has encounters, who has God's power, God's love, his mercy, his grace, his activity in any way, and they're unchanged from it. <laughs> They don't live from a remembering that steers the future. That, that's a hard heart. You, the easiest example is you think of like Pharaoh. God's doing all these amazing signs and wonders and things and the power of God is there, but he refuses, he refuses to edit the mind. That's called a hard heart. A renewed mind is a person who has the remembering skill. Does that make sense? Don't be conformed to this world, but what? God's powerful activity. When his love becomes real and he puts his name on a place. When his grace comes into your life actually and he puts his name on a place and we begin to live differently because we remember that and it makes a difference on on the way we think, on the way we decide, on what we aim at in our future. That's a renewed mind. Why do we remember? We remember because he has plans that are so good that, that eye has not seen and greater than you can, can you can you imagine. You cannot even imagine the goodness he's got planned for you. <laughs> and without the remembrance, um, listen, it's from glory to glory to glory. And I'll tell you something, if you don't take with you a renewed mind from the last glory... You're not moving, you're not moving, walking with him in a way that you're preparing for another weight of glory. He says, I have many things to say to you, but I don't tell you a lot of it now because you can't bear it. He's making you into a person who can bear more of his glory. He's making you into a Moses, someone who can, someone who can bear more and more and more a weight of glory until, until you reside in a place where you know so much about the glory of God that people around you are like, you go talk to him and come tell me what he says. <laughs> they can't bear that weight of glory, but his plan for you is his glory. You're the place of his glory, and your heart has places that have his name on it.
Okay, I'm just going to do um, one more thing. Um, did I give you Mark 8, chapter 8? Yeah? Okay, Mark chapter 8. Go to verse 13 with me. This is... um. This is just after Jesus fed a, mul- a multitude of people miraculously with the fish and the loaves. Um, it's, uh, well, you know what? I'll leave it at that. Let's start reading. In verse 13, it says, And he left them, and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did, a, they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. He's trying to give them instruction, right? Because he knows there's good plans for them, so he's always discipling like he's doing with you. (laughs) And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It's because we have no bread. (laughs) Now, you've got to realize he's done this before. That's, that's the thing you've got to catch in this story. There's, there's a knowledge of Jesus <laughs> to be aware of that should be renewing their mind into walking in an, in an authority of something he's already put his name on. Okay, you understand, the, why, why can Jesus manifest the kingdom like this? You have to remember, the the Word of God tells us that he laid down the divine attributes. He was operating in the Holy Spirit in exactly what's available to you. You know that, right? So how does he have such a consistent, such a a powerful ministry? I want to tell you, he, he knew his Father intimately in these ways. He knew something about reaching into one realm (laughs) <laughs> and bringing it into this one. That's the call on your life. You know, there's only... Do you know Jesus is the only standard that should be acceptable to you? You will go around through this life and you'll hear all kinds of theologies. And God bless me and God bless them and um, all the, our best attempts to teach about or walk in the ways of God. But I'm going to tell you something, when it boils down to it, there's really, only, there's really only one example that lays forth what your life, what your ministry is to be. What entering into the fullness of joy, Jesus is the only standard that is an example of what your life is supposed to look like. Now, Jesus knew something about about reaching out to the heart of the Father and pulling something from a spiritual realm into this one. And he's already illustrated the providing heart of the Father. The disciples have already seen it. And they're arguing about um, whose job it was to bring the bread. We've talked about this before, but I want to show you something. And he, okay, so verse 17, but Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? Look, I think we've read enough there. I just want to talk to you for a minute. There are various times where you see Jesus get really upset with people. You know, you can think of stuff like, like you can probably come up with more than me, but things I think of is like, um, he was really harsh when people wanted to give people religion that, that created a barrier from them getting to him, actually, in intimacy. So you think about Ferris, like brood of vipers, harsh. Really, that's really harsh. <laughs> or I think of there are times when um, it's really upsetting to God when we lead people astray off on the wrong course. It says something about, I think that's the one where if you tie a millstone, it, it'd be better to tie a millstone around your neck and throw you into the abyss. Now as a diver, I can tell you, 
you don't want a big rock tied to your head and to be thrown into the sea. <laughs> and it's not just an oxygen breathing problem. Sinking too fast and bad things start to happen, like implosion. <laughs> That's bad. That's really harsh. <laughs> but here's, here he's talking to his disciples, and I'm reading that going, whew. That's kind of, he's kind of upset about this with, with his disciples. Okay, so what is it that, that concerns Jesus so much that, he, that he's like, we're going to have a serious conversation here, boys? It's a conversation where, and it uses the word, I, I think I didn't realize it was in there, but um, is your heart still hardened? And what is that? Are these guys that are like going around having a hard heart, being mean at people? It's not that. A hard heart is lacking the remembering skill. A hard heart is, is a life where, where God has named places. He's shown mercy, shown grace, shown love, healing, provision, direction, opening eyes, opening blind eyes, opening ears, where, where he's done things and we don't edit, <laughs> we don't have that take us from one glory to the next glory. That's a hard heart. Your eyes aren't open? Don't you hear? Don't you? you still don't see? You don't perceive what I've been showing you? And what's he been showing them? He's been showing them that it's the calling on them to occupy two worlds and to reach out and pull the goodness of God into this place to provoke this place to jealousy. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Y'all want to name some places? Now, see, here's what I'm certain of. I know God wants to do this. I'm certain of that. But I'm also certain that you have places. Because I know God, see, I've got a place named. I know, <laughs> I know God good enough to know that he loves you so much that he has been doing things and he has made places back there. But I think we fail to name them. And I'm certain, at least speaking for myself, I'm certain that we fail to realize that every one of those places that, that either has a name or should have a name is a call to steward a weight of God's glory. We comfort with the comfort we've received, right? So like when he, when he does something for you, you've gotten a glimpse of God's glory. And, and there's a call on that to steward the weight of that glory for people. So, okay. I'm just going to... Um, essentially, I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to begin speaking instead of me. Okay, I know he's been doing that already. But, um, so just, if, you, if you're comfortable with it, let your body relax. Take some deep breaths. Close your eyes. We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to, to come in mighty presence and speak to you. Father God, I, I ask that you let everyone here let go of stresses and distractions and weights and just focus for just a few moments to just focus on sitting in your love. Come, Holy Spirit. We ask for awareness of your presence. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to begin revealing. Maybe just one, maybe several, but I ask you to reveal a place where you were in their life. A place where you acted. A place that needs a name.
Okay, stay right where you are. Keep your eyes closed, but if you will, just for me, just, just raise your hand if God's, if God's shown you a place, a time when he was present back there. Okay, wow, good, okay, good, good. Here's what we're gonna do, stay right there. Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd have an, an intimate moment with each one of us, and we just wanna name this place for you. We wanna name it together. Jesus. Okay, if, you got, if you've got a place named, stand up. Stand up. We're going to release some anointing on it. You know, when Jacob named the place Bethel, he named that place he anointed the rock that his head was on. He put anointing on that place. Why do we do that? Anointing has to do with calling. Okay, there's calling in your places that have his name on it because he says he'll meet you there and he promises to bless that place. So, and so we're just going to put anointing on this place. We're going to release calling. Okay. And if you would, just, just open your palms up because you're about to receive something. You're about to receive authority from the courts of heaven to walk in an authority <laughs> because he's promised to bless everywhere his name is recorded. Thank you, Jesus. First off, Lord, I use my authority from a place named in my heart to bind the enemy in the name of Jesus. I shut down shame and guilt and wounding and distraction and every horrible thing that has set itself up against calling in the authority of the name of Jesus, the authority that comes from the right hand of the Father. And we ask you to come, come in fire right now, Holy Spirit, to release out anointing. In the name of Jesus, come now into their hands, right to these named places. Anoint these places that are for your glory. Release the ministries in the name of Jesus. Release your fire. We ask that your oil would flow over places that have your name recorded on it. And I ask in the mighty name of Jesus that you are now filling every one of these with authority to walk in what you've done. With remembrance of who you are, we're asking you to fill it with your authority that they can give what they've received in the name of Jesus. I ask that you would open eyes to see the opportunities of when you are calling them to wield this authority from your courts. I'm asking for the release of miracles in the name of Jesus and their friends and families and their workplaces and when they're filling their car with gas <laughs> and everywhere they go, that your Holy Spirit would be released over every one of these places where your name is recorded. And we're asking that that witness, jealousy-provoking witness is going out, that your glory would reach Teller County in the name of Jesus, that your goodness would be manifest in all these places that have your name on it. In your name, Jesus. We ask, really, for the release of you, and we thank you for making us carriers of you of your presence. For be, we thank you for making us your temple, the dwelling place of your spirit. Release your glory, Father. We are hungry for your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. If anybody was deeply touched in such a way, um, that you actually want to be anointed with oil 
over a ministry that God just called out of a place that he's acted in your life, we're going to have some ministers up here um, that are ready to anoint over that calling or that word that he just spoke, that place he just named in your heart. We've got some ministers up here, and um, we are dismissed, but we're waiting here to, to anoint for that. Y'all have a, gr- a wonderful week. God bless you. <laughs>